friends, work sucks, keep sucking, continues. Uh, and uh, we're going with our fourth episode. We're talking about the movie Bringing Out the Dead. This is about uh, work burnout, right, Joe? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's, it's not something many people can relate to the last couple of years, but I thought, right. why not? Let's just do it. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie, obviously. We're going to talk about uh, people involved with it. We're not going to talk about Paul Schrader. It is not, I was going to say, it's <laughs> not our first Paul Schrader. No, yeah, too much I mean, Schrader. But it, too much Paul. No, blasphemy. I, I don't, never, I, I'm not, I will never say too much Paul. I'll just, if we could get a little Paul. Can I get a little Paul? Get a little Paul. That's all we're doing I mean, on this I mean, This is a good the, Paul script. The guilt complex mm. in this movie is mwah, pure Schrader. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about essential workers. I think we're going to talk a lot about essential workers. And then obviously, uh, as we do, we will end the episode with some work sucks stories. Peek behind the curtain. Mm. None of us have a work sucks story as of this moment right now. Correct. So, listeners, you get that suspense. Will we come up with one by then? I mean, we have a lot of work sucks stories, but none. Oh, I thought you were just putting that disclaimer for our employees, employers that, like, we, oh, not for yeah. us. We, I, yeah, well, we, we run yeah, this through we, the algorithm <laughs> and make it up. No, this, that's it, what I meant. You're right. Work sucks. Shh. I know. Welcome. We're another episode of the Midnight Boys present a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, and joined as always by my coded friends Joe and Duff. <laughs> Duff might uh, code by the end of this. <laughs> uh, we are. Uh, we're talking. As I mentioned, we're talking about bringing out the dead. This came out in. Uh, this is this is Scorsese's. This is Marty's last movie of the '90s. Last movies of that uh, century. Hmm. And, you know. and just to be clear, this was second time for me and Rob and first time for Duff seeing it? Yeah, it was my first time. Okay. Um, well, what is this movie about? Well, it's uh, we got Nick Cage. He is a paramedic. He works the, uh, the graveyard shift in Manhattan, and uh, he is having a tough time. <laughs> this, before we go... Is this is technically a Disney movie, so put this on Disney Plus, cowards. I believe this, it is on Disney th- Plus in this, other countries. This is a touchstone movie. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but um the uh the Disney stands are a little mad at Marty, so I don't know that it's a safe place for him to be on Disney Plus in the States. Because he makes movies with lighting. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he because t- he, he made fun of Iron Man or something. <laughs> um so, okay, so uh, Nick Cage is Frank Pierce, paramedic, follows him over 48 hours. He, uh, uh, 72. He's 72. Yeah, it's three, a, it's, 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 it's a I'd weekend. I'd say it's kind of like a Dante's Inferno thing where he kind of enters, like, three rings of hell over three nights, right? Right, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yep. And uh, he's having issues with, um, he's not sleeping, he's depressed, he's, he's burned out from his job. He is hallucinating that there's ghosts of people that he didn't save, especially that it was a a young. He lost woman. a he lost someone recently that he feels that he should have saved. Right, he keeps seeing her. He uh, we kind of watch him for three different nights as he has three very different um, coworkers on the old paramedic trips. Uh, he's got John Goodman the first night, who uh, Ving Rhames the second night. And then Tom Sizemore the third night. Guys, which of these what three a, guys? What a trio of people <laughs> to what, be paired what, with at work. Which would you rather spend the night uh, with? Vic Rains. Really? Okay, what about you, Duff? Goodman would be fine, uh, too. We might, we might be getting ahead of ourselves, but I, Ving Rames was just a goddamn delight in this movie. <laughs> he was. Yeah. I, was I mean, every, everyone is good, but Ving Rames... You know, sometimes he kind of gets, and I think this is just kind of Hollywood. He gets pigeonholed into like the the big badass black guy role, but right. he he really shines in this. He got I loved him in this movie, and he's still like young enough to uh, to move in this movie. Yeah, like in just, the Mission Impossible movies, where like he's he not clearly, just sitting in front of a computer the whole time, right? Yeah. Like as with Mission Impossible movies, by they're like, listen, Ving, buddy. 
why don't we just have you sit here? <laughs> <laughs> we can't have you try to run or move anymore. We can't even trick people anymore. Uh, yeah. So he's – I, I, the answer for me is John Goodman because he He'd just be wants fun. to eat. Yeah. That, I, mean, I knew there, that there's, you'd There's him. no wrong answers here. And, well, well Tom Sizemore is the wrong answer. Well, right? yeah. Tom Sizemore plays a psychopath. Whether you're dating him or riding in an ambulance <laughs> with him, it's the wrong answer. Or I asking mean, him I, to do I, a drug test. I'm I'm speaking from like an entertainment perspective, but yes, you are correct that uh, Tom Sizemore in real life, bad news. You run away from Tom Sizemore. But it, Tom do you Sizemore ever really want to the... be with him in not real life? Is there any movie? Where, uh, so I, I guess I, he's I guess he's a fairly good. I, I just, and heat. I just think he's incredibly funny in this movie. And he, yeah. it, you know, he does that in other movies, but I really feel like this is the first movie in a, in a while where I've seen him where he can just be ridiculous and funny. Like his, I mean, everyone's performance is over the top and this is a comic movie, but I feel like I, I laughed a lot at Tom Sizemore. So I, I guess to just aid at Rob in his attempt to summarize this. Yeah, like I'm doing a great job. Each of these three mm-hmm. characters we've just mentioned, like his, co- I, I guess, co-pilots, if you will, his partners, each of these three nights, each of them kind of cope with the job in a different way. Like, it, yeah. it's an unbelievably stressful, challenging, draining job that very few people on this planet could do. And each of them copes with it in a different way to be able to endure within it nick cage can't like he can't he can't compartmentalize he can't like leave it all inside that ambulance and that's these and nick cage nick and nick cage is a standard for the audience like he's kind of the odd the average person and he is seduced in different ways by these three like comically overdrawn characters but i think it works so go on rob so he's he's haunted by this woman's death he feels like he could have saved her and he didn't and he keeps seeing her ghost everywhere he keeps seeing her ghost and then the 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 first scene is him going into like a or a guy's had cardiac arrest and he meets um mary burke who's played by patricia arquette and he uh there ends up being a relation i don't relationship they they end up having a bond they he tries he sees her a lot they interact a lot she he, the movie ends with him like in, in her apartment and finally like sleeping after he essentially pulled the plug on her dad because they just kept like uh, restarting him over, restarting him like a Windows machine over and over again. <laughs> they hit Control Alt Delete on him twenty five times. <laughs> yeah, they're like, listen, just click restart and it will stay up for a little longer. Uh, it works sometimes. It works when you restart it. I will try again. <laughs> um, there's a lot more that happens. There's a whole drug den stuff. There's um, Mark Antony as uh, Noel, a guy who's dealing with some mental illness of some sort, having a real hard time. He thinks he's in the desert and needs water. Um, But generally, we're just spending these 72 hours with Nicolas Cage as he goes through burnout, which is why we is why we are talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much like it doesn't really so much have a plot, really. Right. It is a it is a hangout movie in the most hellish parts of New York. Yeah, it, it's almost like like a road trip movie, like an art film where where the job is an excuse to spend time with somebody in an existential crisis. And yeah. the and the uh, the opening, uh, not uh, crawl or title screen say that you know because by the late nineties New York had already kind of because of Giuliani and, you know, cops just destroying people had become kind of gentrified. But, like, the title screen says, like, this is an early 90s movie about New York when New York was still... Like, this is uh, one of the last, like, New York as the most dangerous place imaginable movies. Right, early 90s. I like what Scorsese said when people reacted to this movie and they're like, well, New York's different now. And he really pushed back on that. And he's like, it's not different. These people are still there. They're just in different places now. Right. Like yeah, they're, you... they're, they're, they've been driven to even more hellish places. Like they're like, hiding out in, in abandoned subway tunnels. Just, just they're because you bridges. turned the porno theater into an M&M store doesn't mean those people are gone. Yeah. They're just, just some, there's somewhere else and there's somewhere worse 
and and it, it just even it like yeah like we basically made all these- the nuts left aren't just in the m ms huh guys <laughs> yeah. this is you know there's there's a lot of other scorsese movies i think is easy to compare and contrast this movie with the the obvious one obviously is taxi driver right we're watching it's late at night it's paul schrader wrote it we're following someone who can't sleep who's doing a job at night in new york city um yeah and and what i loved is i I think scorsese himself said this but i it might have been eber talking about this movie but the parallel between these two is bickle is saving trying to save people who don't want to be saved by him and and in this movie nick cage's character is trying to save people who can't be saved Mm. Mm -hmm. and and i think that that's a really interesting like two sides of that coin yeah it's kind of you know just swimming against the tide just i the movie i think of most when i watch this is after hours yes i think there's a lot a lot of similarities with that one too like it just exploring like the like manhattan at night like by by a man who like really lives and breathes New York, and wants to show it like real as he sees it, right? But and also and I, has a really good sense of humor about it. I think both yeah, of those, I, these movies are are, are really I, interesting things to pair together. I felt that this was uh, Scorsese in a more sincere Cape Fear mode. And that's incredibly it's definitely more sincere than Cape Fear. I mean, it's incre- it's incredibly stylized, but it's still just, I mean, it's like super darkly funny, and it's gritty. I mean, there's like the scene where like Tom Sizemore is like beating up a junkie to what's the frequency, Kenneth is just. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the 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 after hours obviously is more of a comedy is a comedy but i think also the fact that like after hours is like one night from like a like a manhattan yuppie right like this is not the world he lives in he's just dropped into it so it's almost like a wizard of oz type like nightmare night whereas these nightmare nights are every night for nicholas cage in this movie this yeah this movie is i think more like forcing new york yuppies to watch what manhattan really is like and i i do think that you know through a certain lens this is a darkly like uh 2x like darkly darkly comedic movie like it it's super funny but it's also super sad and relevant yeah like i don't i mean you you i guess you guys definitely found more humor than i did in this movie it seems like uh i I don't i i don't think it's i think there's funny parts to it but overall i think it's a very sad and and moving picture like i I, I, but i I I think it has but i think almost every scorsese movie almost all of them are funny at part like i I think it's a very underrated comedic sensibility i think it i mean i wouldn't disagree like it's very sad and there are definitely certain scenes where there's no humor present but it is you know it is almost absurdly comedic and that's because just the nature of uh first responders and new york city and it it, it, it laughs because what other choice does one have like the sense of humor is derived from the same way like the same sort of sensibility that people who work these kinds of jobs have to have that kind of sensibility like yeah it isn't on the face of it funny but but you have to make it funny because otherwise you'd kill yourself it's it's kind of the same thing as dr strangelove where on its face value like you know, nuclear war is not funny, but just the absurdity of it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, and definitely, definitely, like the when he, the when he's with his like, if I lack a better term, co-pilots with uh, you know, like John Goodman, who's just like John very, Goodman just wants some good food, man. Right, he's <laughs> just like trying to keep it as light as possible. He's constantly cracking jokes about it because, like, what else? What else are you going to do? Like, yeah. John Goodman, I feel like, handles it the way I would, where it's like, well... It's a job, man. It's terrible, but this is the job, and you, whatever lightness you can find in that dark, you do it. Um, and, and that's... You're you're totally right, but I think the way Nick Cage deals with it is very believable, too. And, and it's not, like, a psychologically healthy way to deal with it, but that's where I think, like, the ending of that film is so brilliant, because 
like he's he sees himself as he he feels this overwhelming sense of guilt that he couldn't save her and and in the end like the ghost talks back to him saying says you you're choosing to feel this way no one else is making you feel this way yeah sure like like and and that's where i think like that like i think even Scorsese's weaker work, and I wouldn't say this is one of his best movies by any means, but but I, I think it's very very good and very very interesting. I, I think it's solid second tier Scorsese. I'd if, go. I mean, I I'm strongly in in lesser. Like this is lesser Marty uh, in my mind. But I, it's, I, it depends on what you mean. But but when, when I say lesser Marty, that's still like in the upper like the ninetieth percentile of movies for me. I but. That, that that's not saying that's what you mean. This, this is I, I just want to those... be clear about what I mean. It just like you, I still find myself like even in in his movies that aren't as as great as as his masterpieces. It's still the these movies ca- capture something about the way people make themselves suffer that I mm-hmm. find so compelling and find myself thinking about for days and weeks and maybe months after I watch it. And I think that that's definitely the case with this one too, because like why, what, what compels him to feel this guilt about not being able to save everyone? Like, and, and, and we, is it ego? Like, is it a selfishness? I mean, at a certain he point wants... he does, he does comment on that, right? Like yeah, yes. how good you feel when you do save a life is, is you'd feel like a God. And and I love how that turns that upside down because there there's such an incredible selflessness to what he does, um, that, that very few other people could do. But also it turns that around and like the reason that he finds himself suffering so much is is maybe because because of his ego and his desire to be God, to to say like and, as and it's not subtle, right? <laughs> like no, that the, the over and over again talking about how it, like when you save a life or bring someone back, it makes you feel like God. So I, I thought that that's just so interesting. It's so human, and and I don't think very many filmmakers can like walk that line between being very empathetic towards a person doing a job that is unbelievably demanding and unbelievably difficult, but also I think in a very clear-eyed way show that how he also makes himself suffer more than he needs to because of his like ego and pride, which is so human. And right, because he does and, so. I mean, when the moment. I mean, at times, you know, because he is he is going through it. I mean, he's having a rough he's having a rough go of it. Uh, but when the moment happens, like when he's with someone who needs him, he has nothing but compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, um, I I also think that that's a big attribute of uh, uh, Schrader because both both uh, Scorsese and Schrader are, you know, hallmarks of their work are uh, guilt. And just uh, the, sure. yeah. the, you know, just the the overwhelming psychology of what guilt does to you, and that really, I feel that that really comes through in this. Mm-hmm. So my 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 take, I don't, it, it, and I I say this with hesitation because I know, guys, got some Schrader heads. Just say it. Just say it. Uh, I wish this was written by someone else. What? Yeah. I do not enjoy the script. I do not. There's a lot. Like, to me, this movie that's saved by, like, Scorsese being, like, doing incredible stuff direction-wise and a great cast. But, like, to so, me, the writing is Okay. I mean, so, I I will say. There's ghosts, guys. O- overall, lot. I I thought this movie was very good. Uh, from a writing perspective, I do think there is a lot of uh, repetitiveness from Taxi Driver. So I will say that. I I do... I don't think this is peak Schrader, even though I think it's very good. I know it was co-written. I forget who else worked on this movie. But I, I feel like there's more Scorsese in this movie than Schrader and whoever co-wrote it. Well, may I offer... No, he did co- ask... I don't think he did co-write it. I think well, it was just but Schrader. It was an adaptation of a book. I it guess, was an adaptation but... of a book, yeah. But, okay. Um. May I ask a question? Just to, yeah. mm-hmm. to push back, but not in yeah, a Yeah, embrace debate, way. Joe. 
Do you do you think that part of the reason you feel underwhelmed by it is because their three previous collaborations were so incredible with Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, and I guess I don't know for sure how you feel about uh, the Last Temptation, but I like I, Last I, Temptation I, of Christ. I I'm a big Last Temptation stan. Me too. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, so- I mean, and this we might be getting ahead of ourselves. Like, part of me, I, I thought I very much enjoyed this movie. I. Again, I don't think it's, you know, the best Scorsese, but I do think it might be in the top tier Schrader. Uh, Part of it is that it was just refreshing to see a major studio movie that was just bonkers out there like this. It's a wild movie. I mean, also you have to remember, this is like to, to defend the studio in this situation. Uh, this is the decade when ER was one of the biggest shows on television. Oh, yeah. And, and the late 90s was a fairly friendly time to make movies like this. Especially I, 99, right? Which yeah, is I like think we underrate. The like the, 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 yeah, 98 and 99 was pretty awesome time to make these sort of um, – like w- what's missing now, right? These middle-budget movies for adults made I by mean, great artists. Um, and there, there are so many within that you know two-, three-year span. I mean, my my sense is that you know in the mid to late 90s it was kind of akin to the 1970s where studios like we have no idea what we're actually doing but we're making money so let's just you know we'll fund these things uh physical media is going to give us money forever so who cares (laughs) i i don't believe what i'm about to say but but I think it sometimes <laughs> like I, I just to kind of check myself a little bit. I wonder like how much does my love of Scorsese like I, I many most of his films, I think, are just unimpeachably great. Right. It yeah. doesn't matter. Right. But the, these these films that are sort of not as widely loved, like like bringing out the dead, how much of my positive appraisal of them is because he's just can speak so beautifully about his intentions with the, with the films. I mean, so to like, go back to the Paul Schrader point I made, which is kind of what you're saying or, or goes ties to your point, Joe, to me, like, even though when it came out, the Scorsese's direction, I think in this movie and like the fast editing and sort of like, the visceralness of this movie was sort of like looked at negatively, which to me, it's the heartbeat of this movie. Like yes. it is essential. And like, when I talk about the script, like that's why, like, you know, the, the like savior character named Mary, the like ghost stuff, like all that. Like, imagine if like, I'm not going to say a bad director, but like, um, uh, who's the guy like Anthony Minghella or whatever directed this movie with the same script. Wouldn't it be terrible? I mean, terrible. I don't know. Well, but it wouldn't be the same, I guess. I, it wouldn't be real, I, I guess, is what, what I right. mean. Right. And I, and I think but I think you could say that about every screenplay. Like, that's the nature of a screenwriting is that no matter how good your script is, if the actors and the directors can't live up to it, sure. it's going to look awful. And, right. And Nick Cage is probably in his prime. Like I don't want to sell, yeah. sell I don't want to sell him short because I th- I think he's still very good, and, yeah. but I think probably from yeah. <sighs> he had a, actually I think he had a pretty long prime. <laughs> I I don't. <laughs> think he's still I, he's still at the peak of his powers here. And, I don't. And, but I that, say that saying I still think he has more great films left in him. And here you go. And I I really do think that the pairing is excellent because they both have that that energy. And and you, yeah. Rob, you mentioned that that some people were put off a little bit by it, but I I think, oh, like make this movie like have Scorsese direct that Bad Lieutenant movie that we talked about a few uh, you know a month or two yeah. ago. No, Ooh, bad oh Lieutenant boy. New Orleans. Oh boy, now we're really now not that that movie. I we I mean we all like that movie, but who Scorsese does that one? Now right. we're talking. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's, but like that, you know, that said, we're talking about arguably the goat. So, like, you could say that with, you know, sure. But I, I just mean Sonic. like, like these, the, 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 that, that, that energy and that kineticism. I, I think that it's too bad that they, I don't, you know, they never really got a chance to match up again because I, I, th- I would have enjoyed seeing them work together again. 
it does really speak to at the height of probably Nick Cage's box office powers, he decided to do this movie. He, yeah, he worked with De Palma and then Scorsese, essentially, yeah. right? I mean, that like Snake Eyes is 98, or I think, and then this probably, is 99. But I mean, you know, before, you know, he's coming off the Con Air face-off, and he's still a year or two away from National Treasure, but he's, yeah, he's he is a, a top five box office star. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to do this. Right. Do you guys, we, we've sort of talked a lot about Scorsese. Is there anything else you want to say? I mean, like, this is tough because, like, what is there to say? Like, wh- what is left to be said? Sure. And and that's what I think is, I don't want to say frustrating. That's not quite the right word. But, but we often find ourselves in this position where we have these, especially, mostly with directors, I think, that that we really love and we admire most of the time with with the most famous directors like their best work we don't need to we're not going to do a podcast about goodfellas right like what are we going to say about that right yeah so yeah. I, I always worry so we we find ourselves like podcasting about sort of the, a lot the of Lester's junk one so so this is our second scorsese one no it's our first one we did Cape Fear. We did Cape Fear. Oh, we did do Cape Fear. God, I keep saying we never did a Scorsese movie it, before, but we did do I Cape mean, Fear. I think this is what Joe's getting at. It is wild that a movie that I, I think is pretty inventive is kind of a forgotten movie in the Scorsese canon. It's, it's, it's among them. It may be one of the most forgotten ones. Right? Well, when we do, when we, you know, when I pick the next season and we do Cruise Control, we can talk about Color of Money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. Yeah, but it so it so I always feel like I I I my own personal opinion is without question the greatest American director of all time. Yes. For that's I and I'm not saying he, like that's he, bold take or anything. He's that's just my oh my that's opinion. I I don't think that's a hot take at all. He's definitely in the conversation. Like he's you know if I had to pick my top five American directors, I'm sure he'd be in it. So I just kind of feel bad because, like, we we then, but because his his best work is either like movies that have been talked to, talked about to death, like Goodfellas or mm-hmm. Raging Bull or whatever, Taxi Driver, yeah, or or they're they're movies that like I love and I think they're A plus movies, but I don't know that they're necessarily good to podcast about, like Silence, for example. Right. Or the last temptation of Christ where it's like, oh, we're just gonna like talk about like the like <laughs> faith for an hour. I don't know that that's necessarily in our wheelhouse. Yeah. So then we then we, we find ourselves talking about these sort of interesting like little like detours and stuff that he does like this one. Although I don't know if that detour is the right word because I think thematically this movie Absolutely. lines right up with everything yeah. that he does. So I think we come out of it like I know when we talked about Cape Fear, I was far more complimentary about it than than the two of you were. And then like I sort of feel like we come out of them looking like we're like nitpicking or like kind of being negative, but but it, it isn't because we don't have a great deal of respect for for him. It just I don't I don't I I have never seen a Scorsese movie that was not interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah exactly. I was just say like they're. Yeah, I, I I've never been like, well, that was that was a waste of time. Like I was just you know like I don't know. And then I'll revisit them and still be like, like uh, I revisited Shutter Island recently again, and like I don't love Shutter Island, but sure is interesting. Yeah, yeah even even like, uh, Gangs of New York, which is a, uh, uh, you know, I think the common consensus now is that it's a admirable but flawed enterprise. Like there's a lot to admire about that yeah and even scorsese would agree with that take and and even that movie maybe has one of the three best sequences he ever filmed like the battle right. scene in the beginning is as good as it gets i think filmmaking yeah. wise you well I, I sort of sense we're, we're transitioning here so i'll say one last thing that that yeah. i really appreciated uh reading about this movie is he talked about the seat so you mentioned the drug dealer scene earlier where he mm-hmm. sort of saves the Patricia Arquette character uh, from that drug den after he even kind of succumbs to that temptation and takes that pill. And then like sort of interestingly later he gets called to a job because the drug dealer gets robbed 
So him and his henchmen like leap from a balcony, leap down to a balcony below them. Right. And the drug dealer ends up landing on a fence. Yeah. And he was yeah. inspired by like a real story of uh, he like Scorsese says he says like this happens all the time. <laughs> Which right. I I guess in a city that big maybe it does, but uh, I it. found that a funny way of phrasing it. Like that happens all the time. Like people jump and they get impaled by fences. I guess that's life in the big city, huh, boys? That's what's I, like life being uh, unguarded, huh, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so he, so that scene, he's like, um, Cage is like standing there, like kind of holding the man as he's impaled by this fence, and they're using butane torches to like cut the fence apart so they can grab, you know, take him off and take him to the hospital, and he like looks up and there's fireworks going off and sparks flying from the torches as he looks at the empire state building. Yeah. And, uh, Scorsese says, Scorsese says like, Oh, that was sort of my homage to Manhattan. And Schickel's like Woody Allen's Manhattan. And he's like, yes. Yeah. It's a reference to that movie, but not his Manhattan, my Manhattan. Yeah. That's like, a paraphrase. And I'm like, hell yeah, Marty. Like, not Woody's Manhattan, where you're just playing your clarinet and diddling kids. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's and his Manhattan is a guy with a, a fence through his chest, like talking to a guy, and he just yells out, I love this city. And I just that I thought was maybe the funniest part of the movie. Yeah, that was a great sequence. Do you guys know why they put fences around cemeteries? <laughs> I know I've heard why? this before, but I don't remember. Because people are dying to get in there. Yeah. Moving on, moving on. Uh, let's 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 move into the message on this movie. Okay. Uh, you know, we talked about work sucks. We talked about burnout here. I think there's a lot to talk about. With uh, there's a moment in the movie when when uh, Nicholas Cage's character is is saying like he he like he literally keeps coming to the boss and you could tell he does this on a weekly basis and was like, I'm late again. You're supposed to, you told me you would fire me. <laughs> you need to fire me. <laughs> yeah. If I'm late. Uh, and uh, he's like, you know, and there's this, in the boss essentially being like, I can't fire you because we need someone to work tonight. Because there's and no one else. There's no it. one else who will work these awful shifts. Right, and and so I think I think it's important. You know, we we talk. You know, there's a lot. Uh, these previous three episodes of us, and particularly Joe, being like, work. What are we doing? What are, you know? What, what what are we even doing? What's going on? But there are these jobs, these essential worker jobs. These these. Um, positions that are neat. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to be on the other end when you had a medical event and you called and they're like, yeah, well, there's no paramedics. So it's just going to take a long time. And then you or someone close to you ends up, you know, dying because of it. It, it just seems like I, it, it just seems awful because we have this moment where everyone, you know, is kind of learning or is realizing, you know, what are we doing with work? But yet there are these jobs that are incredibly important i just i don't have any answers for it I just i think this we did a really good job even though it was made in 99 it takes place in early 90s to like touch on the stuff that's happening right now and has been for two years well and the, you essential workers are exploited in that way absolutely because yeah. they they are they are put in a di- different class I, I would i would hesitate to use the word we because i think his job is far more challenging than mine is. Um, right. Partly because the yeah. human body is disgusting to me. So <laughs> uniquely, um, sort of put off by it, but like that's, that that's part of what I think people are, how people are socialized to think is like, well, that's you're, you're not doing this for money. Yeah. You're, you're doing this for how rewarding it is. And, right. and that's, I think, how people sort of justify the low pay and and awful conditions that that people like his character work in it's like yes but but your your job is so meaningful like these people like they wouldn't do this job for the money they obviously do it because they love what they do and 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 the sick thing is in our our awful country like that is sort of weaponized to justify uh, compensating them, right? Well, also their careers that don't make I mean, careers that aren't making money for anyone, 
right? Yeah. Like you had a great year. <laughs> the company had a great uh, yeah, year. Here's so this kid bump. that was in your class 15 years ago, uh, right? They just started an amazing company, so we're giving you this bonus, right? Like, and there's no time, like oh, you saved someone's life, and now they uh, went on to be very successful. You get a cut of it, like that's not how it happens. So, so you know, so so that's something that I I, I find particularly like sick about about our sort of and I, I I'm sure it's like this in other countries too. I, I'm sure it's not like, just like this in the United States, but. But that, like, well, te- they, like teachers or nurses, like they don't do it for money. They do it because they love helping people. You're supposed and, to do it for the attaboys. And, and I, I think people either consciously or unconsciously use that to justify, like, well, they, they're not doing it for money. So, like, we don't need, we don't need to pay them a lot. And, right. And that's why I, 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 I don't know. I. Um, I respect, I guess, workers in positions like this in other countries more because they seem far more willing to be like, "F this, I'm going on strike." See how see how the city runs when I stop doing it. Um, like you know, sanitation workers and, and people right. like that, mm-hmm. uh, jobs like that. It's like, well, all right, um, yeah, try having no one pick up the garbage for a couple of weeks. Let's see how everything works out. Right, and that's and that's the only weapon. I mean, that's that's your only that's that's like is the last workers only the last thing that, That's the other side of that coin, right? Because um, and and there's been a, in, not in my state, but a lot of states like uh, Duff in, in Minneapolis, like teachers go on strike, and that's immediately weaponized against them. Like, well, they obviously don't care about kids or their families because right. they're going on yeah. strike. It is it's like right. so. Then so, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> As a parent, these are the jobs that we point to in the children's books that are important, right? I mean, these are the like, look it's at like the f- firefighter, ambulance, right. a- ambulance driver, teacher. Yeah. Well, so I, I put these quotes on our agenda from that book that I read, and Schickle like kind of talks about this. He he says these are people whom we admire almost in a perfunctory way, and Score says he says we believe it, but we don't live it. So yeah. Americans, uh, they they believe that jobs like nurses and teachers and EMTs, uh, they believe that they are essential and important, and and that these people are giving, but they don't they they don't put action behind it. Oh come on, Joe! I mean, usually every sporting every sports team will have a game. Where the teachers or essential workers can go for a discounted price and everyone can <laughs> clap and applaud. What are you talking about? That's plenty. Yeah. So I, I don't remember who wrote this, but I saw this a few. I'm sure it's been yeah, repeated a million times. But like, like you know, you're underpaid when your job gets an appreciation week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, uh, it, like that's that's definitely true. So my my uh, my so I, I as you know anyone who listens knows. I uh, grew up in a rural area, and uh, my mom had, like, a full-time job. But she also – and I don't know – I'm not sure. But she was an EMT, like, on the side for, like, the rural area. Yeah, that's – it's often, like, maybe even in some cases, like, a volunteer position. Right, like and that's why like, I don't yeah. remember if it's volunteer, volunteer. I don't remember if it was maybe she volunteered, but then you would get paid a little bit if you got called. But you were still on call. You know what I mean? It's like the whole time you yeah, were in Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of different situations right. to it. And so I remember, like, that was a thing where, like, there would be some nights where it was, like, she had to go and do, you know, be an EMT. Like, took training. this all Like, this is just, like, she was just, like, a community member who saw that there was a need in a role. Like, same thing. You're talking about, like, I guess you just do it because you care a lot. And, like, that was why she did like there's no other reason most most cities firefighters are still volunteer yeah so she's like smaller like smaller uh uh towns not not even like unless you live in a major metropolitan area like if in even suburbs and such it's still a volunteer firefighter system and on the darker side of this there are some towns in the united states where you have to pay a fee if you want service from the fire department yeah, like I think a house burned down somewhere uh, a few weeks ago because it's seventy five dollars a year to be able to get fire service, mm-hmm. and the person that owned the house like forgot to pay it, and then wow. their house is on fire. They called the fire department and they're like, uh, "Well, you didn't pay." So they drove there, but they drove there to make sure that the house next door didn't start on fire. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, but I, yeah. they just watched it burn down. And it's like, man. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, we, and we've talked about it, about, like, people are realizing, you know, work, what are we doing? You have more and more, you know, people saying, like, oh, I like flexibility, and I like to be able to uh, work from home, and companies are trying to figure out what to do, and there's, like, a, a win happening. But the win isn't for the people who ultimately need it, right? The win is, is for the people who already had more or less cushy jobs that now are even cushier. Right. Or people that stock shelves at grocery stores, like – Right. Yeah. Like, let's not even like try to pretend that this is just a like a professional class thing, like with nurses and and doctors and teachers and people like that. Like that, it also goes down to to part time, like eighteen year old part time employees that are you know putting cans of soup on the shelf at you know pick and save. Yep. Yep. There's no protection for them either. It's called facing, where you make sure all the labels face the front. Is that what's called? (laughs) Yeah. When I worked oh. in, a, when I worked in a grocery store, they were like, if it was slow, I worked at the cashier, and they would say, "Hey, it's pretty slow. Do you want to go face items?" And that just basically means you go make sure it all rotate the- items. Yep. Wow. Well, that's a pretty good work suck story, Duff. You found one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, you are right though, Joe. And I, and I, like I said, it's service workers, all sorts of stuff where like there isn't, there isn't any protection and and it, you know and then when it you know when these stores are like cutting their hours back or doing it then people get upset They're like oh why isn't that things ever open anymore like well <laughs> i don't know what to tell you man <laughs> like yeah um anything else you guys want to talk about about this movie in particular or just burnout in general i guess i'll just kind of close with with this the quote again from Marty where he just says with this movie I wanted to explore what we expect of ourselves and he picks this movie about a protagonist that that his expectation is basically like I am here to bring people back to life and that's not a realistic way to look at his job and I I think it's fascinating to explore people who see themselves that way uh, in jobs of any kind but especially this one that the way he measured success or failure is like, did I bring someone back to life tonight? And, right. and I just think yeah. like just thinking about this at a human level, psychologically, I, I think that's a very human thing that can apply to people in a lot of different walks of life that so many of us find ourselves in positions where we feel like success or failure depends on our ability to fix things that maybe can't be fixed. Right. And and our happiness is lives or ties with that. And, uh, I, I, I wonder where that comes from. Cause I, 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 I certainly find myself feeling that way about myself sometimes, uh, with, in my, in my job that, that there's people that I see, that don't that that fail and and i take it sometimes very personally and i i I don't want to make myself sound special because i'm not i I think every every teacher feels this way but but that you are in these positions where you work with somebody very young and they they sometimes they fail and you feel like at least i in in many mo probably most of those occasions at least for a period I feel like it's my fault I I failed them and it, it is a a burden a, a heavy emotional and psychological burden and it's I think his quote I wanted to explore what we expect of ourselves is I thought really moving and and like maybe the perfect way to sum this movie up. Because I think that in order to do jobs like this well, you have to hold yourself to that standard that, in his case, like lives have to mean something to you. Because how can you do this job well if they don't? But then, if these lives mean something to you, then how can you stay in this job? Because you're going to lose these people. Maybe maybe not maybe most of the time, maybe yeah. not most well, of the time. I guess with the paramedic, but but a lot of the time, and 
squaring that circle psychologically i i think is is a battle that someone in a position like that probably fights their whole career and and i just think very few people can navigate that in a healthy way and this protagonist you know self-medicates and and wants to quit all the time and and i just found his character to be very very flawed but in a very very real and human way and that's why like maybe it's not a perfect movie and it's maybe not amongst scorsese's best but like i think like almost all of his movies if not all of them it shows a an artist that understands people and genuinely cares about people and i don't that that doesn't describe every artist well i would even say like from the the burnout standpoint like i think it's this movie it's about a you know he's an ambulance driver that is life and death right Mm -hmm. but like you go along with like how do you you know his i guess pride would be a word to use but like he wants you know he puts so much himself into his work and how the work unfolds deeply affects how he is emotionally behaving and it makes sense in this movie because he's saving lives but like many of us have jobs where we are not saving lives and that and and still struggle with the same thing where your your emotional your mental health your emotional and mental health is tied to the output and uh outcomes of your work and it's, and in this it makes more sense because it's life or death but like many people deal with burnout and their jobs i'm not saying they're not important but i am kind of saying they aren't uh can still struggle with that i think in this we've making it about ambulance driver like makes it work it's more because you can I empathize mean, at, with it at a very simple level it's about that work-life balance and that you have your work which is incredibly stressful and awful and how do you turn that off right right and 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 (laughs) is it even possible to have it in a job like this right that's why i think the supporting characters are so fascinating because they all try to find it in very different ways Right, like or, we or talked failed about John to find it. I think Tom Sizemore's character he he he's an example of someone who just utterly failed to find it, and he he right. he is already snapped. He snapped. Ving Rhames has has kind of turned towards like religion, spirituality yeah. to like do it, and John Goodman is sort of the he's, you know we he can compartmentalize about, like, it right, and and yeah. he kind of has this you know this ideal about the future. Yeah, and I guess I guess he's probably the model i suppose for how you handle it and I stay guess. i don't stay somewhat mentally so, i mean somewhat he healthy. doesn't he doesn't beat up someone and he doesn't crash that the, <laughs> this is true the ambulance so yes of the, of the people we're presented with he is definitely doing the best but he also does seem good at it you know but uh, right. i don't know but but how many people can do that, you know? And and that's again, you know, what I what I think is great about this is it doesn't center itself around a character that figured it out. It centers itself around a character that's more like how most people would be. They they can't because right. we are all just such flawed creatures. Or or even or even another way to look at it, even if it wasn't his job as, you know, what it is, Nick Cage is someone who's incredibly good at their job and incredibly bad at everything else. Yeah, that's it's the only thing that he's good at is right. his job. He's bad at being a person. Because he gives it everything and well, has nothing I, yeah. left. But, but, but that's what I think is even more interesting, because I don't think he's bad at being a person. Because what makes him good at his job is, is that I think he's actually wonderful at, at being a person. Like like the scene where with that old man, you know, who, he, who dies, and he's like... What, can you put on some music that he likes? Sometimes I think it helps. He doesn't right. do that for that guy. He does it for the family to just give them something soothing to do. Right. Like, yeah, he's actually genuinely true. incredible at at empathizing with the people around him. Right. He's but that's not him good at, at taking job. care of himself. That, right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's him at his job. But as soon as like he's off the clock, he's a mess. But, but yeah. But, but but I guess I guess I I guess what I mean is like he's that doesn't mean he's not good at being a person. It, it just means 
Yeah, that's fair. He's just not good at taking care of himself, which I don't think is quite the same thing. Right, Because being fair. not good at being a person would be more like the Tom Sizemore character. Right, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, he's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I, 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 I think, think he's saying wonderfully the same things, empathetic in, in this movie. And like, like, oh, for sure. Like, I, I think probably, like, the best, char- the like, him and the, and the Ar- Patricia Arquette character are, are like, the, the best at sort of, genuinely sort of being able to read other people and empathize and emotionally connect to them, which is, which is interesting. Like, I think if you went into this movie, like kind of knowing the sorts of characters that Nick Cage plays and, and thinking about the visual and, and editing and sort of kinetic style of this movie, that it would be a character that's just totally come unglued. And he has, but he's come unglued in a way where he never, maybe he he's pulled very close to it but never totally loses his empathy for other human beings which i i think is uh in i don't know i don't i don't think most most directors and writers would have been able to maintain that with this this main character because so much of what he does is so close to being absolutely utterly insane right yeah right exactly but, uh, but also i mean i think part of that are like both Patricia Arquette and Nicolas Cage's characters have so much compassion and you can sort of see how that sort of that amount of compassion and empathy for both of them has just worn their personal lives down so much. I mean, she's a recovering drug Uh, addict. He's like, you know, he's, he's relying on all sorts of stuff to try to get through the shifts and the days. Like there's a, there's the other end of someone like and, and I, you know what do you do because compassion itself is an incredible quality but you know i mean this sounds this is this is going to be a little bit this is peloton rob speaking but you know <laughs> um self-love is not selfish <laughs> and 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 they don't really have enough compassion left well yes and that again that themselves. comes back to his quote i wanted to explore what we expect of ourselves and he's unable to love himself because his standard of success is I need to bring someone back. Like, like I need to be God tonight. Right. I need he, to bring someone back from the dead. If he if he doesn't excel at his job, he has nothing. And I think that that's again like a very relatable thing. Like you mentioned for people for people in all kinds of careers. Right. But but I think it hits harder for a career like this, which is literally life and death. Well, guys. I think I think we gotta maybe have a little levity here before we end the episode. Okay. We got some work suck stories. Um, Duff, I mean, you did you did talk about having to face cans and uh, and different products when you worked at the grocery store. I mean, I think that I think that counts unless you have something else you want to add. I mean, it's it's a honestly, I liked doing that because it meant that you didn't have to work at the register. Oh, yeah. Usually it meant that things were slow enough or it necessitated things that you would. It's like, hey, can you go uh, face the cans of SpaghettiOs? (laughs) Uh, Joe, do you have do you got one here? Well, I I I do, but I'm reading what you wrote. Uh huh. I need to hear it. Okay. And it just says on the agenda in all caps, toilet story. And, and you said we, you a, said we wanted to lighten things up, and I, I think that'll, I, I don't see any way this won't. Yeah, uh, you know, everyone knows uh, Ozu's famous movie Tokyo Story. Um, <laughs> this, this. <laughs> we are going to talk about Twitter. Okay, so I've spent some of today and some of this evening, and I'm going to be honest, a little bit during this recording, searching. On the oh, I thought you said I'm going to say on the no. toilet. <laughs> searching through emails, trying to find a moment that happened. At my first, like, real post-college job, all right? And, guys, I found it. Okay. Nice. I have the email that our, I don't know if you, I don't know what, what his title was, president, CEO, whoever's in charge of the organization we worked at, sent out. Are you guys ready? And I'm not going to tell probably, you what it's about. Probably no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Okay. But um, this is an email that, that we got at work. Okay. Mm-hmm. I forgot what the subject line was, so sorry. So you would you would know that. Gentlemen. I hope the subject line was all caps toilet story. <laughs> toilet story. 
Story. The new film for Noah Baumbach. Toilet uh, Story. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Gentlemen. <laughs> this email <laughs> is being sent to all male employees of the, I'm just not going to say it, of the organization. Okay. So I, pause. <laughs> that means someone took the time Absolutely. to look through the whole staff email list and pick out mm-hmm. the dudes from the, the not dudes. And punch their emails in individually, not to a list right. serve. Right, because that wouldn't have been, I would cope, that would not have been a list yeah. that this existed. Is, what would be your ballpark guess for how many total employees there were in that building? I, uh, total employees, male? or, or Just total. Or probably about 70. So they look through 70 names and they're like, dude, not dude, right. dude, <laughs> right? And, and the subject line the subject line was men's restrooms at the, and then the name of the workplace. Okay. Okay. Because of Rob. So, all right. So I told you, gentlemen, emails being sent to all male employees. <laughs> it is one that should not have to be sent. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There. It says it said that in the email? Yes, yes. Like, just, start over. It says that, gentlemen. Gentlemen. Okay, so I'm going to do a paragraph. Gentlemen, next, next paragraph. This email is being sent to all male employees. It is one that should not have to be sent. <laughs> Already super angry and passive aggressive. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we are in. I feel that you listen. We've recorded a lot of podcasts. I feel like we're. This is a memorable moment that's happening. I feel like this. Okay, is, where where, where did important. the person sending this rank in the organization? Was this the like top? The, this is the president. Yeah. Like damn. This, the, like no one outranks them. Right. They. Per, so do you think that they, was it sent they, from their address? Do you think they personally wrote it? Or did someone write it for them and they sent it from? I think they personally wrote it, knowing this person. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Second paragraph. This is the longest paragraph, okay? All right. I'm ready. Uh In the last several weeks, I've noticed that one of us has been less than clean or accommodating, (laughs) if not downright gross, in our use of the men's rooms here. If not downright gross. (laughs) One of us appears to have decided. That he does not want to sit fully on the toilet seat to relieve himself. What? what? The result has been fecal matter sprayed against the wall behind the toilet, and just last night, Hold on. fecal matter. Pause. <laughs> Pause. How is that? Po- is there no tank? Uh, I don't know. I listen. This is like this is like JFK. I don't understand. Like, this, I, this, okay, this, like this has to. Our toilets at work. There, there's no tank. Like. The water kind of comes in through the oh, wall. Oh, no, there's a tank. So they, they, it of, went above the tank? I feel like what's happening is someone was sitting on the toilet. This is me saying this is not the email. <laughs> like, went kind of like Kitty Wampus on the toilet, and then, like, what, was. What does that like, mean? I don't know what that means. Catty Wampus, Kitty, yeah, Kitty, you know, sort that. of like diagonal on it. And they were, like, <laughs> tying their shoes. <laughs> tying. <laughs> While they were while they were definitely they they dropped so their phone I, on the floor and didn't feel like picking it up so they just bent over with it resting so, on the floor you mean like that some, without someone pants. someone didn't know how to use a toilet right toilet was new yeah it was like, or they uh, hated it there yeah could be that okay so we're, hold on where are we now okay uh, relieve himself result has been fecal matter sprayed against the wall behind the toilet <laughs> and just last night fecal matter sprayed across the back of the toilet seat. Well, that's, this that's is disgusting, less bad. unsanitary, and unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary? How? If well, fi- okay. Pause. How? How could they say that it's unnecessary? Like, they don't know what do what's going on with this person. Well, okay. H- health wise, okay. Yes, I agree, Joe. I would just say, health wise, <laughs> no matter what uh, happened, you should uh, clean up. Listen, I have a son. I told mistakes happen, but you got to clean up after yourself. Uh, Messes un- happen, sure. but you got to okay. clean up. That, that's, oh, of course that's fair. Like you, you can't say it was very- unnecessary. You can say it was unnecessary to not clean up after yourself. Right, so no it c- continues. If you find it too disgusting to clean up after yourself, imagine how the custodians must feel yep. cleaning up your mess. Absolutely. If you are too lazy to clean up after yourself, shame on you for making others deal with your mess, including our members visiting and then this is my favorite part. I don't know why it's my favorite part. This is the last paragraph. You ready? At mm-hmm. 10 o'clock this morning, I checked each men's room and found the walls and the toilets free of fecal matter. <laughs> I, ex- I expect them to remain that way into the future. 
high standards is what makes like an a, a workplace you know function like you have to have high expectations from the top and one of those should be that fecal matter isn't sprayed about the tile do you think do you think that whoever did this either a was just spiteful or b they had a legitimate explosive diarrhea but situation. but it must have happened multiple times otherwise this email wouldn't have right happened. yeah because it does say in the last several weeks i've noticed that one of us has been less than cleaner commenting I, if I, not downright gross i feel like someone had a problem <laughs> yeah i mean clearly someone had a problem i i it's just yeah i, I mean e- as- even if you wanted to do this on person like it, it, on purpose excuse me like you can't just make that happen yeah, as as much as I am a fan of spite, this is it. it you're is, not. You're not. Yeah, this isn't. This isn't getting to the CEO when you're just like shatting all. I mean, yeah, this is get getting to, them, to but, probably the lowest paid people that work in the building. Right to have to clean up your mess. Yeah, listen, I, I, I I'm someone who consistently in my career has been amazed at the mess people have left in a toilet in a workplace. I will say that where I'm just like, what happened here? How did this happen? <laughs> what, How what? did this happen? Like, honestly, sometimes I think, like, d- are there people who, like, get to the toilets? You know how, like, um, you you, uh, you obviously don't have auto flush toilets. Uh, I don't know if they did, but even at my workplace now they do. Sometimes it almost feels like, you know how in, like, the early 90s it was popular to, like, sit in your chair backwards? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, is that how people are sitting on the toilet? <laughs> is hey, is I'm just that... gonna. I'm a youth pastor here to just rap with you for a while. Is... <laughs> everyone, everyone just wants to emulate Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Right, like, I think I'll just. You know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna sit on the toilet backwards. That I mean, work. listeners, try it tomorrow. Let's let. <laughs> what? So How's you... it go? Here, here's the rub. Well, I mean, what, okay. What, I, I, what, if, what if that is actually a better way to use the toilet? Well, yeah. You okay? So let's let's be real. I'm not talking about me, but I, I've, a lot of people are probably doing that day's wordle while they're on the toilet or whatnot, right? Right. And and one thing that you're often perhaps wondering, uh, I know Drew McGarry did one of his fun bag questions about this. Is like, what do you do with your phone? while you're cleaning up after yourself. Right. Do you set it on the floor? Do you send it? uh, Do you put it in your sort of (laughs) your like pants, like kind of like between your leg, like your pants? Well, you just put it back in your pocket. Well, that was the person asked, like, do you, where do you put it? Do you put it? Yeah, well, in your pocket's a very reasonable answer. <laughs> right. I don't understand. A... I'm not going to like <laughs> or, set it on or, the bowl. Like, or I don't you... understand. I, well, depending, it's depending, depending, it's depending funny on where you, I actually never thought about that as an option. Depending on where good, you that's work, that's a good you, answer. You could just set it on the top of the toilet. Paper. Yeah. So if oh, you're no, sitting, no, if you're sitting no, backwards, touch, if you're no. sitting backwards, you you could just be sort of resting your elbows up on the tank if you're on a yeah. tanked toilet. So and then so you keep your, your phone legs up don't there. go numb. So what we're getting at is that you're you should reverse cowgirl the toilet, <laughs> <laughs> and then you could. And then you could poor, put your poor, you, poor Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader are going to go on, go on their, I, their I, podcast I, catcher of choice, and they're going to be like, "Oh my God, look at, look at well, someone did an episode no on bringing out the dead." The and they're going to be like, "Why is it called Reverse Cowgirl the Toilet?" <laughs> and then you can put you can put your uh, phone. But, but, but you, if you're going to be an EMT, you have to have find the humor in things like that, right? Uh, Bodily yeah, functions. That's true. Which I, I I am one hundred percent confident that Paul Schrader would be like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I don't know about Marty, but Paul Schrader, like, he would do a Facebook post about this. So, so right. now, so yeah, you re- you reverse cowgirl that toilet and put the phone on top of the tank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Problem problem solved. And then your legs don't go numb. And then you could still be looking at your phone while you're wiping because it's resting on something that's raised. Yep. Also, they should put little. They should put little, like, like a little spot for you to like, so your phone can stay rested. Yeah, you know, like those screen, holders yeah. that like you could have right. in your car. 
Yeah. Like they should put those extending out from the toilet. Okay, paper so holder. what if we just face the toilet normally and then you put in stalls like a TV tray that could like on a like that could just sort of come down like in a like on an airplane. How would you, you know? trust you would you that... trust to touch that tray? Well Ugh. you the other alternative you're giving me is the back of the toilet. Yeah, I, I would I, actually trust the back of the toilet. I trust more. the back of the toilet a lot more. If it if it's a raised tank, if it's just the flat end of the toilet built in the wall, no, then I'll trust the right. train. Okay, yeah, boy. I don't really know if Joe or Joe. I'm reading the 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 agenda. I don't know if Duff and I even need a story. Well, listen, I just to you guys and to our listeners, I just would hope that uh, their toilets continue to be free of fecal matter, and I expect them to remain that way into the future. God, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> Gentlemen, um, <laughs> Joe, what are we talking about next? We we left. We, we don't need to get into the vote, but we left it up to the patrons. Yeah, we, we asked the Sheba Pit. We, we left it, it up to, to the people. Yeah, yeah. I will. Uh, so, I guess this is the natural end, and I suppose I'll say this is a spoiler alert. So, um, if you don't want anything spoiled about the movie, just stop listening now, and then. Look up. I don't even know what movie we're going to talk about. Michael yeah, Clayton. but that. Well, that's what I mean. Is if I say the name of the movie and like what it's about. Oh yeah, I didn't say say what the the concept was. You're right. So the movie's Michael Clayton, and then stop here. Yep. Watch yep. it. And this is work kills. Uh, the national endpoint to this. Yeah. So uh, and I I think we've gone in on cops a few times in this season justifiably. Uh-huh. Uh, I think next week we can go in on lawyers. Also, mm-hmm. absolute scum. You know, I uh, I hope you enjoyed our very serious conversation about burning out the dead. That then we just end the episode burning out about the dead, bringing out the dead. What did Idiot! I say? You said burning out the dead. Yeah, you said burning, burning. Out the dead. You're just thinking um, about how to clean that bathroom. Yeah, bringing out the dead should have been the, should have been the subject of that email that my that guy sent out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> toilet story. Next week I will have toilet story two. I have another one for, for a work toilet story. I will tell. The sequel to Toilet Story, <laughs> Toilet Story 2. P- Pixar Presents. 